Oh man, how's things anyway? Yeah, good man. Just uh, yeah, just getting through it, looking after little Wen and um, just yeah, working away slowly. Yeah, playing playing dad these days, Pl- eh? How's that playing... going? Yeah, it's good, man. It's uh, it's different, definitely. So it's uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy the the change that comes into life when that happens <laughs> for it? sure. It's um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So he's like just five months last week and yeah he's already teething and he's he's trying to crawl already and he's vocal and yeah it's it's crazy how quick it all changes so man it's the wildest experience i reckon and i try this is how i explain it to people i say it's like trying to explain the taste of chocolate to someone who's never tasted chocolate yeah (laughs) like you just could not fucking put that shit into words man i reckon having kids and no you can't uh, no yeah, no, I was really, I'm so happy for you, man, because, um, yeah, we've sort of known each other for a while now, and I've sort of followed your ups, and you've had a few downs along the way, too, and it's, yeah, it's nice to see, um, see, like, it happen for you, because, you know, it doesn't, it's one of those things, too, man, like, you, you don't, um, not everyone gets it, you know, and I'll tell you a funny story real quick, um, so after, um, we had Kai, um we lost another one late term and you know I was, it's it's one of those things right because until it happens to you you just think ah oh, it's not born like you know how could you really be attached but then when it happens to you man it's like it's just like a fucking death really yeah um and then anyway but i had kai we had kai already and we lost one and then that was it we never got another one um and always had this idea of like one boy, one girl. And one day I'm sitting around at work and I'm like, you know, bit of having a bit of a like a woe is me moment. And then I realized one of the guys sitting there in the group, him and his missus could never have kids. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like such a dickhead. I was like, you fucking idiot. What are you even saying? Like you got one, you can't say shit. And I tell you what, man, it was good because it snapped me out of it, you know. Yeah, that's it. And it's, yeah, it- it's it's definitely I can see it would be harder for the mother more than the father because obviously the mum is attached oh, to that. Yeah, that's what baby. you think. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's still yeah, it it would play with you. You know what I mean? Like, and it was really weird like watching Tegan go through like oh, the pregnancy yeah. and stuff like that. You know, because like I could see him kicking and like you know what I mean. So it was real, but it didn't really sink in until I held him for the first time, and it was like this yeah. like holy crap moment you know what i mean so it was yeah, yeah, yeah it was pretty crazy and now like i just get so excited to spend time with him and watch him grow and yeah it's pretty crazy man so i've i've really enjoyed being a dad uh yeah so i'm pretty excited for the future and watching him grow up and teaching him stuff so i've already started to corrupt him with motorsport which is good <laughs> so we'll see how that goes yeah nice yeah good point there about being more empowering for the women i find like you watch um you watch a woman give birth and honestly like before and afterwards what it does for their confidence too and it's empowering and it's just like yeah they literally go from kind of like girls to women yeah and a similar thing happens to a dad as well but yeah i find it chills you out a lot more it's all part of it um you know growing up and you know it's not just about you one thing i found was for me it made work a lot easier because, you know, I had plenty of days, man, before I had kids where I was like, it was fucking hard to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just like, oh, why am I doing this kind of thing? Working on, on the tools. 
But then, yeah, once my son came along, it was kind of like, oh, it was, I found it easy to... Because yeah, you realise, oh, now it's going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm the same, man. Like, I obviously, like you said, I've sort of struggled with some health stuff along the way and some mental stuff. And, like, when he was born, it was like an automatic switch in my brain that was like, right, what can I do to make money yeah, to provide yeah. for him the best opportunities in life? So it's it's been yeah. interesting, man. And it's, it's definitely benefited long-term for things I've, wanted to do for a while and stuff like that it's sort of given me that uh yeah i guess you'd say confidence in a way to just go who cares what anybody thinks if you're gonna fail at it or not you've got to give it a shot at least so it's definitely changed my mindset going forward with things yeah for sure yeah you summed it up perfectly there man it's um would highly recommend it to anyone who um was thinking about it and it changes it, it has a way of like did you find it was like a bit of a, um, um, like a reset? You kind of like, you just, you go back over your values. Did you find that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been pretty sort of, um, I guess you could say like disciplined with my values and my structures. And if something doesn't sit right with me, I'm pretty good at sort of like just going, yeah, this isn't going to work sort of thing. But I definitely felt like it was like a full, reset on life you know what i mean it's like that yep. second it's like the birth of your child is kind of like your second birth in a weird yeah, way you know what sure. i mean it's like all right we're here now you're this old what's the next next steps in life so so yeah so yeah definitely man it's um yeah a few things have changed at home and it's like i'm now learning how to prioritize sort of what's important at that moment in time and what can be sort of pushed back until I've got that free time to actually be able to work on X amount of things over here or X amount of things over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's the best, it's the best job in the world. I reckon it's, and it changes too. Like, um, you won't believe how fast that goes. Everybody, I know everyone says that and you just got a five month year old baby, but fuck man, like, don't blink. I had a really surreal moment yesterday because um, my son's 15, right, going on yep. 16, and he's pretty much basically just a young adult, you know, so you talk yeah. to him like normal. I don't filter my speech or anything. Yep. Anyway, um, <clears throat> on the weekend, uh, yesterday, I was hanging out on Tree Kiwi's um, Discord, and there's some dudes in there that are into fishing and shit, and they were like, oh, where are you from, Australia? Like, they were asking me heaps of questions, so I was like, I'll bust out my old hard drive, right? And I was showing them pics. Anyway, on that hard drive, there's all video of Kai when he was a baby, and they're like, first Christmas, second Christmas, birthdays, all the way up. Like, yep. I've taken video of the fucking hell, Chris. Dude, it was one of the most surreal moments of my life, because he's right here now as a 15-year-old, yep. and like, no other time in human history right have you been able to like capture video really and go back and look at it was fucking surreal man it was yeah. so surreal and like his first day of school me dressing him like i videoed it all and like man you just you know i know you i know like when you're on the other side your side looking my way you probably think what the fuck's this old cut talking about right no but no no I do, it's, and yeah. i just try the only reason i try and tell everyone is just like i tell everyone yeah appreciate every moment yeah you know take photos take video but live it as well because you will not believe how fast it goes man 
and, I, and I suppose that's what works really good with my relationship with my partner is she's very good at capturing moments and photos and videos and stuff. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm very good at being in the moment and enjoying it as it's right there. You know what I mean? So we kind of yeah, balance yeah. each other out really good with it. So that's cool. it's, it's really cool and rewarding, man. Like, yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's been a whirlwind five months like it only feels like yesterday he was born and he's already like five months old so it's crazy how quick it goes but um yeah i feel incredibly lucky man and it's it's i've built a little family you know what i mean and it's yeah yeah, i'm I'm stoked so yeah yeah no i'm so happy for you man i'm glad it's all working out because you know for a while there um you know yeah you're um you're having a few issues um health issues and you know, relationship breakdown, and then you kind of disappeared sort of like off the high racing scene for a while. And um, I was always curious, like, you know, um, you know, what happened there? Was it just a case of like all, all life too much or was it stuff that was going on online? Um, I th- and having said, before you answer that, I reckon you did a really good job of looking at yourself objectively because if I was your manager, say, and I was going over the last couple of years, I'd say the year that you took out, man, was probably one of the best things you ever did. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it Yeah, it was it was kind of like a build up of everything at once, kind of all crescendoed to the top and I just got to a point where I was I was burnt out. Like, I mean, there was there was some weeks where I was on the sim sixty, sixty five hours a week, you know what I mean? So yeah. I wasn't having any time for myself really. It was like I was either working or I was racing or I was in the team practicing and there was no there was no downtime, you know, it was like I was feeling like I was getting up, I'd have a shower, have some breakfast, and I'd be on the sim. And like I still do that similar now, but I've sort of prioritized my day in a way where I'll get up in the morning and I'll take an hour for myself and I'll go for a hmm. walk and I'll, I'll do some stuff in the gym or whatever I want to do in the morning. And then like I might read a book for half an hour or whatever and actually just take some time for myself and sort of reflect on what I want to do for the day instead of just trying to pack as much into the day as possible. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, it just, it just got to a point where it was, it was so much, man. Like, I mean, yeah, like between – coaching on vmm and trying to build all the stuff out in the background for vmm plus then running illusion and i mean there was like 16 guys in the team at the time as well so you you know firsthand what it's like when there's that many personalities that can be tiring in itself so it was yeah, all that's that a whole plus job it, on its yeah, own, yeah plus there was a marriage breakdown and yeah there was a whole pile of stuff man so it's sort of just well, the marriage breakdown came first and then I continued to plug away, you know what I mean? And it was sort of yep. built up over that sort of extra 18 months to a point where I was just like, yeah, I've put too much time in this. I need a break for a bit. And yeah, it did me a world of good. Um, obviously, it then opened a relationship up with my partner. We had a kid. Like, there's, it's been a good break, man. So I feel, I feel pretty centred and reset and pretty excited for what's to come. Um not just for myself, but for my family as well. So, but yeah, everything's, everything's much better now, man. So, and it's just finding them little things to, to trigger the, the mental health stuff, you know, like I still have days where I'm pretty down and beat myself up and it's, it's just trying to switch this, flip the script on that during the day and, 
and trying to yeah. pick up the pieces when you do get that low. Yeah, well, um, we I actually want to talk to you about that. We'll talk to you about mental health a bit later, but um, yep. yeah, just I was staying with the eye racing stuff for now. All I want to say is it's good to have you back. Yeah, um, it was nice to catch up a couple of weeks ago and um, talk a bit of shop, and obviously you, we got a few things that we're working on um, that that will be coming out in the future. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have you back, man. It's good to have you on the scene and. Um, yeah, it's sort of changed a little bit, um, <clears throat> and that's one thing about the sim racing scene is um, it's crazy how quickly everything changes in 12 months. Have you found it much different, like coming uh, back this time? Or yeah, there's there's definitely some differences um, with uh, not so much the sim, like the principle behind it all hasn't really changed. Um, definitely the tire model threw me out for the first couple of weeks Um, just trying to get used to that cold tire and stuff like that was a big change for me because obviously you used to when i was on before it was just get out the gate and drop that pit limiter off and go go as hard as you can where now you got to sort of phase the tire in a little bit more which i enjoy because that obviously stems from further back when i actually did race a little bit so I have enjoyed that change. Um, yeah, community's still there. There's, It's really interesting, right, because obviously I sort of disappeared pretty rapidly. Like some people knew what was going on, but it was kept pretty under wraps. And it's been a little bit overwhelming, the amount of people that have reached out and sort of welcomed me back. And it does, it does make you feel good that the community is so welcoming you know what i mean like it's they do sort of take care of their own in a in a strange way you know what i mean even though we're all rivals and we all want to win and stuff there is that definite camaraderie there so um which is really great to see and especially people that have supported vmm in the past as well they've reached out and they want help again and stuff and i'm like hey just give me a bit of time to get up to speed first before i start helping you guys because I felt like I was going to be way off the pace, um, but it was surprising the gap there wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. Um, on top of that, I got some new equipment and a few other things. So there's been a bit of a transition there, but um, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with where it's going in the in the direction and stuff like that. So I'm pretty happy. <clears throat> yeah, nice. Yeah, cool, man. You seem to be pretty much onto it. And um, going back to what you said before, um, yeah, I think part of when you sort of said you burnt out, it's like, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening even would know that, you know, they've had something in their life that they got into and, you know, found out by chance they were actually fucking pretty good at it. And then they just throw themselves into it. And, you know, it happens in sports, um, yep. you know, all sorts of competitive sports. I've seen it in mountain biking and, and other stuff. And then eventually they kind of just burn out. And, um, yeah, I even had that experience myself through a sport and then kind of took a step back, took and you know it's not always um the right solution and the right balance is not always necessarily what you think it's going to end up being um but yeah i think you're doing a pretty good job of um sort of managing all that and you seem to be um you seem to be pretty good at um looking at yourself objectively it's just something i bang on about but it's a skill most people don't have and i teach my son that you know if you can step away from yourself and look at you know, not what, not necessarily just what you're good at, but what you're not good at. That's a huge, you know, st- you know, start in life because a lot of people never get past that point. And I feel like you've done that pretty well. Yeah, I've um, I've been lucky enough that my parents are very sort of. 
they were good at instilling the right values in me and mum was very good at like breaking down things for me to a point where I could sort of take what I was good at and grow on that but then also find the stuff that I wasn't so confident on and work on that to get better at that as well and it's like the age-old saying which you're going to laugh at but it's like you need to do 10,000 hours to be good at anything you know what I mean so that's how I sort of approach life is like there's some things that you're going to be easily good at and naturally talented at and you won't have to put in as much work and then there's stuff that you're going to want to do that you're not that good at, that you're going to have to put the work in. So it's all about just finding that balance to to put the work in where it needs to be put in so that you don't spread yourself too thin, but you're actually moving forward with life. Yeah, well, you just answered my next question because I was going to ask you where you got that from. So your parents obviously did a, yeah. uh, did a pretty good job. Of, uh, sorry, I was just saying my uh, connection dropped there. But anyway, we should, looks like we're all right. Um. Yeah, so um, obviously, um, for those people who don't know, you've won you've won i racing uh, Le Mans uh, t- twice. Is that right? Or three, uh, times? three three times. Three times. Yeah, three times. Sorry. I've had four starts, <laughs> three wins there. So yeah. So um, for you know what people don't understand, um, you know, if you're not into i racing, is like there's probably really there's two or three big, massive, worldwide. Uh, you know, online motorsport events every year, and that's one of them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, to do it three times, obviously, you know, you, you, you had something figured out. Um, and, you know, look, motorsport, a lot of, like, you know, my mate Sprague always says it's a sport of reactions, really. And, like, if you're good at it, you're going to be quick, and it's part of that's kind of genetic. And, like, obviously, you've got, you know, just God-given born talent you know that's obvious right but what i really kind of want to know about those wins is how much of that do you do you think was talent and how much of that was hard work uh i would say it would be maybe 25 30 percent talent and then the rest was yeah. hard work man like it was yeah it's uh, lamont lamont's a very unique one for me um i spent a lot of time as a kid watching the race and just being engulfed and mesmerized by the the spectacle that is the le mans 24 hour you know what i mean so i've always really enjoyed watching it so i felt like when i actually got on the sim for the first time to drive the track because i'd seen hundreds of thousands of laps around there i kind of just had this idea of what i was doing before i'd even done it you know what i mean it's it's really weird like i my brain functions differently to other people and i'm sure other people have a similar thing to what i do but i can like go somewhere like with the gps once and then i'd never have to use the gps again like i can just remember where to go every time it's really weird so um i get that with the racetrack as well like it's very much like i can get on there and i just know exactly where i need to break and turn the car and yeah it just it all lines up there really weirdly like some tracks i have to work Mm. a lot harder but that circuit it's like i'm sort of on autopilot it's really strange yeah okay that's interesting so when you say your brain works different to other people's i wouldn't mind digging there a little bit what do you (laughs) um and look 
you know, don't be shy. No one listens to this podcast anyway. Uh, that's a lie, but it's true. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to kind of know a bit more about that. What you think, like, um, because I got this, um, I got this theory right that um, <clears throat> everything's connected in a way that we don't necessarily see. Yep. And I'll give you an example, right? Music. There's something about fucking music that's just like try to explain what it does to you, right? It's and then you know every now and again, like you find this song, or in your case, you find a track which just lines up with all your universe, let's call it. Yep. And that for you happens to be Le Mans, and it's yep. just um, would that be so, a, a decent kind of summary? Yeah, in yeah, in a way, it's kind of like everybody's brain chemistry is made up differently. So, like, some people are very good with, like, English and maths and that sort of articulation of stuff where my my strength is, like, imagination and visual. You know what I mean? So I'm able to, like, I can close my eyes and I can visually see every part of the track. Like, I don't have to look at photos or anything. Like, I can actually just... It's like, you know, when you close your eyes and you see dark, like, I don't see that. I see pictures and images and yeah, it's, it's strange, man. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, yeah, it's more like a photographic sort of, it's like, it takes still shots when you're doing stuff, you know what I mean? And then you like my dreams at night, man, are crazy vivid. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's really weird. So it's just, Mm. yeah, I think I'm just wired a little bit differently sometimes. That's all. I think we're all on the spectrum, you know what I mean? Like everybody's 100%. fucking kind of out there somewhere yeah. and we're all like slightly different places. And yep. um, <clears throat> yeah, I find that really interesting that you, um, that you, you, that you acknowledge it as well. That, um, and I'm sure, um, you know, like it's easy to say no one's listening, but you know, there's stuff that, you know, happens to me in my brain and I don't really like to talk about because I fucking, I tell people like it happened to me and I don't believe it kind of thing. So yeah. 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 And that's, and that's the thing. It's like people can sometimes not understand it. And then it gets sort of like sort of not offensive, but people get sort of funny with you. You know what I mean? So it's like you sort of choose how you word things, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, yeah, everybody's, everybody's different, man. So everybody's got their little pros and cons and their strengths and weaknesses. And some people are happy with where they're at. Some people want to improve, you know what I mean? So it's just a matter of doing what works best for you, I guess you could say, you know what I mean? Yeah. I find that interesting. You know, it's also going back to what you said about, um, the 20, 30% talent and mostly hard work because I've, you know, definitely as I've gotten older in life, I've realized that's mostly what it's about. It's about just showing up, working yeah. hard, doing the practice. And it's one thing that a lot of younger people particularly, and I find, and even older people, some people never get it, you know, um, they never, and you know, like, oh, they just go, oh, that guy's quick. Oh, he just gets on there and he's fast, but they don't see all the, you know, the work and that goes into the background and, and the hours that go into it, how many, uh, and there's a question for you, how many hours do you reckon you put into, like, each one of those Le Mans? Okay, so, the, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, so, um, usually we kick off about six weeks before, and it wouldn't really be much other than just doing full stints, just to get that sort of understanding how the tyre changes, 
what the fuel burn is. Can we stretch the fuel a bit more? Le Mans very unique because it is a very much a fuel race in certain ways. Like even though it doesn't seem like it, um, if you can save yourself a lap of fuel every stint and do an extra lap, you're going to put yourself in a really good window towards the end of the race. So a yeah. lot of that is just running a stint at fuel map one, then fuel map three, then fuel map five. And you know what I mean? So a lot of that is early in the piece. Um, and then once we sort of get to that point, then it starts to build and work on the set. Um, but yeah, we were, those those three wins, we put a lot of hours in. Like it was, yeah, at least 10 to 20 hours a week building up each week. And then the week of, I think the first three days, we did like something like 12 hours and then that was it. We sort of had a break that Thursday, Friday. Because I feel like if you if you do your prep work early, and then the week of the race, you don't do that much. You sort of you're fresh for it. You know what I mean? Like you might do yeah, for sure. a couple taper. of yeah. You taper off and let let yourself get ready for it. it gives your body chance to relax because a lot of people don't understand, but a lot of this is muscle memory. You know, and sometimes giving your body a break a couple of days before you're going to go and go to battle. Really, you know what I mean? You want to be fresh and ready to go. So. You might do like on a Friday night or a Saturday morning, you might do like a 60-minute warm-up, but that's about it really. From Wednesday, I'm I'm not really on the sim unless I've got other commitments, and then it's just, yeah, build up to those that Saturday morning kickoff. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, we we did Daytona, actually. Hey, we were in the same split, man. We, the, we were. That we was were. Fun. How the fuck did we get in there? No, actually, um, I've got a couple of drivers that Aussie car at the moment now, and they're proper quick. Um, yep. Jared Thomas and Luke Quist, shout out to those guys. And their high ratings are like about three or 4,000 because mine's yep. just like woeful. I don't even concentrate on it. And um, Warren, I don't think he races too many officials and same with John when we're just kind of like old boy middle packers. But you know what? Actually, we, we, we didn't go too bad. We had a bit of bad luck. And... Um, I don't know if you saw, man, but we, um, I couldn't believe this. I had two incidents with the leader of the race overall. Yeah. Um, and, oh, man, they were selling me, sending me abuse on private chat and shit. <laughs> and fucking, I'll tell a funny story because I don't know if I didn't tell you this. Yeah, we haven't caught up since then. But yeah. So what happened about, I don't know, man, it was like 16 hours in or some shit. And I just had a, like, lost the rears in turn one, which, as you know, is so easy to do. Yeah. And I didn't really kind of hit anything, you know, I just did a bit of a slide and I was almost parked up against the fence and I looked down like on the relative and all I seen was like a bunch of cars coming. So I just stayed where I was because yep. I was like, they should have had the yellow. And when I went back and looked on the replay later, they had the yellow going into the corner. So it's, you know, what happened to me is on them, I reckon. They had plenty yep. of warning. Anyway, these three cars, man, go in there bumper to bumper. Like, no space between them, right? <laughs> the first guy fucking trips over me. He doesn't... gives heaps of room on the outside, but he doesn't judge it. Yeah. Ran into the back of me. So then the other two, Concertina, and they actually got robbed by the damage. And I, did, I found it was interesting. There wasn't much talk about that after the race, but the damage yeah. model, uh, all he hit it was like a low-speed impact on the back of the car. They got like a seven- or eight-minute repair. Yeah. Some shit. And then for the rest of the race then our car was down on power. Um, but we didn't we didn't want to take the repair because we had a guy a bunch of fin guys racing from Finland who were catching us, so we stayed out. But yeah, look, I felt really bad and man, they were spewing and so they should be. Then yeah. 
you can't fucking make this shit up, Chris, right? A couple of hours later, four hours later or whatever, another guy's in the car and and I'm getting right out of the way, right? Because um, our car's down on power. We're coming to the bus stop on the back stretch. Yep. And I slow down. I let one guy pass. And then as the other guy just kind of got to me, it was right when we were turning in, right? Now, to me, if you're not in front by the time you turn into the bus stop, what do you do, Chris? Right? You back out of it. You just wait, right? Yeah. No, he decided to go too wide. Yeah. Oh. And then <laughs> it fucking massive net code, man. Like, yeah. I'm talking like one of the best ones I've ever seen. Half a car width. Oh, shit. Like, he never really even got near me. It fired him off into the fence. And the thing was, it was just a tire bundle. Yeah, man, they got like a, another eight or ten minute repair. Far so they got out. raped. They got raped by the damage model and the dude that was driving. Man, he was <laughs> he was on the radio. <laughs> he was sending me PMs, abusive PMs. Uh, I just didn't reply. But I was like, nah. what's the chances of doing that? And look, I felt so bad. But like, dude, too wide it's, of the bus it's, stop. It's part of the race, but like, and it's I don't know if you noticed it, but. Like I did, like I didn't really drive for the first ten or eleven hours of the race. Yeah, the other two right. boys sort of covered it, and I did. I think it was nine and a half hours in the back fourteen. So I spent a lot of time on track in those final few hours of the race. And I don't know if it was just me or if it was like six o'clock in the morning rolls around and everybody just turns the stupidity button on, and it was like, can't yeah. And it was like LMDHs are punching each other off and GT3 cars are spinning yes. around. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Like, I just got off of a um, – I did a quad stint, which was brutal. I did 119 laps straight. Like, was wrecked. So, it was – I was pretty sort of out of it by that point. I was like, I need to lay down on the floor for 20 minutes. And, yeah, man. And, I got in and he's like, what the hell is going on? I was like, it's like World War Three out here. They're just firing each other off everywhere. So it was... Yeah, it I don't was know what happened. The race it was like, sort of changed. Yeah, it was like a second first lap because the opening of the race was actually pretty tidy. There was no incidents on the first few laps really at all. It was really good. The, which yeah. is the first time I've seen that. And yeah. look, we were in split three of 16, so I was um, expecting it to be reasonably clean. It was a fucking long, hard race and... We no, did pretty it was good. flat out, um, man. Like it was, it was hard work. It was yeah, very it was hard a grind, work. man. And the pace was pretty good. We were, we were running sort of top two, top three at one stage, but that wasn't our realistic pace over all the drivers. I'd say if we had had a clean run, we probably would have been good enough for a top five. And I yep. think we finished eighth, like with damage for the last four hours. So yeah, but that's anyway. not bad. That's a good result. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that, man. We're just like a bunch of. Well, you know, a couple of quick guys and three old guys, basically. So. Yep. But how much fun are the special events, man? Oh, it's it's the highlight of my year, really. And it's it's funny, like, that break I took back in 2020, 2021, it was like I wasn't even bothered about coming back. It was for the, the normal races. It was just the Enduros yeah. I missed. I missed the Enduros. I missed that that challenge of, like... Yeah, 12, 24, even that, even the 10-hour Petit Le Mans, you know, it's still a challenge, you know what I mean? Yeah, so something about them, man. They just, oh, yeah, yeah, it just it makes you find another level, you know what I mean? And it's not just a level for yourself, but as a team as well. You've got to, 
you've got to have everything buttoned up for those, for them races to go your way. You know, like race pace is only going to get you a portion of that race. You've got to have a good strategy. You've got to be clean. You've got to stay out of the way of trouble. Like there's, there's a whole pile of things that go on behind the scene of those that, most people wouldn't understand, you know, they just go, Oh, it can't be that hard. You just get in and drive aggressively for 12 oh, hours. Man. And it's like, yeah, if only it was that easy. So, yeah, well, I said to one of the boys the other day, I said, ask around all the people, you know, right. That race on iRacing and ask him how many have got a podium in any split. Yep. Like in a special event. And you'll realize that there's a reason why they're so fucking hard to do. It's because, yep. No one's no not many people have done it. Hey, going back to Lamont, I was going to ask you, man, was there who was in when you won those races? Was there some F one drivers? Was Lando driving in one of those? No, no so who, there was some pros. There was uh, the. Can you remember who or not? I can't remember off the top of my head. I remember Daytona twenty nineteen. We raced against AJ Almendinger from NASCAR. Oh, yeah. um, Maybe that's and that was. and that was that was pretty special, man. Like me and him in the middle of the night just kept trading lap time, fastest lap time for fastest <laughs> lap time, and there was like two seconds between us for like three hours. It was ridiculous. So, um, yeah, that one was always a good one. I do recall there was somebody else in one of the races, but I can't remember who it was exactly. And it was, I yeah, mean, this I've is got probably... a feeling like, I want to say WEC drivers or someone. I remember yeah, looking it up was, it was some somebody. of those guys, because there's a lot of names too, right? And you think, oh, you never heard of that guy. And then you look him up and it's like, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. There was, I know the, I think the, I'm going to say the one where we won in the HPD. I think that one was pretty stacked sort of field. Um, yeah, I think there was some pretty quick guys in all the classes of car for that one. But I can't I can't recall exactly. I mean, that was uh, that'd be five years ago now. Like yeah. it's yeah, it's a while ago. Too so long. have you ever had any other good battles with any other like Um I had I had a decent battle with uh, Marcus Ambrose. Oh yeah. In a NASCAR, I did some. I've done some stuff with Shane, obviously, because Shane's in everything, so he floats around yeah. quite a bit. Um, I did. I did end up in an IndyCar session one night, and this it was like a Friday night at like 10 p.m. and Holdsworth was in there, and Scott McLaughlin, and Shane, this would have been like 20. 2016 maybe and Shane was in there there was a whole pile of them in there this was like before the e-series and all that stuff and they were just it was like an indie car at Texas and yeah it was just funny to watch them racing each other and it it was like just a Friday night fun thing and they're all crashing each other out and laughing on the radio and stuff like that so it was pretty cool to watch but yeah not like not in them special endurance I don't recall other than AJ and I'm sure there's been others along the way because the odds are you're gonna you're gonna grab people along the way with that many splits and races. Eventually, you're gonna end up with pro drivers. Um, but yeah, not that I can recall, like to the front of my brain. Yeah, no, that's cool. I was just curious, but that's what I like about iRacing: the fact that you can race pros on there. You said there as well, um, 2016. So one of the things I meant to ask you was, how did you um, find your way to iRacing? Um, I was. You're gonna have a laugh at this. So I. Me and my partner at the time, we were doing some casual work for um, 
the Gravity Discovery Center in WA. Really? Yeah. So I worked up there in the kitchen for a little bit, just helping out here and there when they needed some help. Where Um, where, where is it? uh, Jinjin. Just near Jinjin. Oh, yeah. I know the one you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, With that silly big tower that's on an angle that they drop shit off all the time. I wondered if you were talking about um, Bickley Observatory. Nah, nah, nah. nah. So the one out um, towards Jinjin. Yeah. area. So yeah, so I worked in the kitchen there for a little bit because my partner was doing some science stuff at the time, um, or my partner at the time was doing something to do with science degree and she got like part-time work up there and they had a big function or something. Anyway, and I was doing an online order for some stuff and it popped up in my like Google recommended ad thing and I was like, wow. iRacing, what the hell is this? Like... So I like sort of clicked on it and like finished finished the day at work and then sort of I saved that and I'll have a look at that when I get home and yeah got like hooked into it straight away. I was like sort of went on the website and looked about it, then went on YouTube, I was like searching up videos and stuff and I'm like, Oh wow, so this was like twenty end of twenty fourteen, I think it was. Okay, and I was yep. like, Okay, so it's pretty new sort of thing. Like it'd been around for sort of eight, uh, six years by that point, but it wasn't really anything I'd ever seen before and then like yeah I had a day off and I went and bought a G27 I think it was from JB Hi-Fi and and plugged (laughs) it in and got stuck in straight away and that was it never looked back so so a random Google ad yeah random Google ad man it was like obviously yeah Google targeting me for something and um, I'm glad it did because it's yeah it's been life-changing man it really has I've met so many great people along the way and it's it's offered me some pretty cool opportunities with other things and you know what I mean? So I'm yeah. I'm pretty lucky. So I um yeah, definitely feel like I found where I need to be at that point in life, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I wanna actually get onto a little bit about um where you grew up and that in WA, but before we leave iRacing, something I wanna ask you is like um uh, you know, looking forward you sort of dabbled a little bit about you know the saying that you've got a few goals so what are you know i'm keen to know like what are your you know what do you sort of want to achieve on there going forward um so my first sort of initial thing is i want to i want to get to that threshold where i can make pro series um so i'm working towards that and is that it's really nascar uh no so i'm I'm working towards porsche cup for that um, which is really interesting because obviously they've changed the car since i've been gone and i was really good in the old car and this car i'm not so good in it's just it's it's a completely (laughs) different ball game like it's weird the braking on it's different and like it feels really realistic but it's just there's a couple little things that i'm not comfortable with yet so i'm working you'll, towards you'll figure that it side. out oh that's it and it's just time and practice and understanding what the car reacts to and what it likes and what it doesn't like i feel like you can't get as aggressive with this car as you could with the last car i feel like it's more of a momentum smoothness style of driving that you've got to to really extract the lap time out of so um okay. so that's been quite interesting obviously i want to help get as many people into iRacing racing as possible um with vmm as well and help get guys up to speed because it did help me through a tough time in life and i know that it could help somebody else as well so if i can help them get the most out of their experience and actually enjoy it instead of being at the back of the grid and frustrated for two years until it clicks. It's sort of like giving guys tools to actually just sort of 
move forward at a little bit of a quicker rate if they put the work in. So, yeah, with um, virtual motorsport mentor, then that's sort of one of the goals going forward. Is is it is it going to be more coaching-based or more tutorial-based? What's the plan there? Uh, uh, yeah, so it'll be – there'll be a coaching element to it, um, but my hours obviously aren't what they used to be. Um, yeah. So it's more of a selective sort of when I've got availability. Um, I'll be posting my availability on the website in the next couple of days. So, and we'll be getting back into a little bit of coaching here and there, but there is some tutorials coming. Um, I've been posting track guides every week for the GT4 this season. Yeah, I've seen next, that. next season we'll be ramping up and there'll be maybe three or four series of track guides not sure yet we're still working out uh what people want to see and stuff like that so there's a couple of options there um and then i'm building out some stuff in the background as well for actually course videos and actual documents that people can sort of purchase and then go through it at their own sort of pace more like a self self-paced course rather than having somebody sort of sit in your cockpit for an hour barking at what you're doing wrong and how to fix it. So just sort of more uh, more relaxed version of coaching, if you would say. Yeah, okay, cool. And is, a, is the goal to sort of like, um, you know, make some money out of it or even just part-time or full-time? Uh, or what's so the it's, it's full-time. Um, yeah. I've been back full-time at it since my son was born practically um, and then my partner's gone back to work and I stay home with my son and I work on the business when he has his naps and stuff during the day. So um, yeah, so it is full time. Um, there was, there is a element of creating an income out of it, but that's not why I'm doing it. I don't do anything for money. I'd rather struggle and get by than sort of, feel like I have to make money sort of thing. I'm doing it because I enjoy yeah. it and it's helped me mentally uh, through a lot of challenging things in life and having that, I think the biggest thing is having that sort of competition and like sometimes it's not friendly, but most of the time it's friendly competition and it, it does motivate you, you know what I mean? Not just in what you're doing, but life in general. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it all there. It's um, interesting to sort of know that I can. What I can see from all that is that you you're sort of interested in building a community too, or being part of the community and building your own little space in there, and not necessarily motivated by money. And I actually reckon that's probably what's going to give you a good chance of success because um, yeah, money's a weird thing, man. I've discovered in life, and I tell people like I just saying, right, I broke up with money. Now you. Now, you still got to work, right, and you still got to pay for go-karts somehow, right? So yep. <laughs> you need money, right? Um, don't worry about food and rent, but um, no. you know what I mean? So you kind of got to be realistic about it. But when I say I broke up with money, is what I mean is I don't really let it, you know, rule me um, yeah. and my decisions. And I kind of see you're sort of doing a similar thing there. And, and you'll be amazed, man, when, when you start making decisions that are, you know, just based on money and more based on you know what's good for the business kind of thing and that's generally in my experience that's leads to success you know a lot more than just being focused on the coin yeah and it's it's really interesting because obviously i've i've been a baker my whole life and i've worked night shift and stuff like that and i've always 
gone where the money is. And to be honest, they're some of the worst jobs I've ever had. Do you know what I mean? Like the jobs <laughs> yeah, that I've... that's what you do when you're young, but... Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So the jobs that I didn't think I was going to like because the cash flow wasn't that great are some of the best jobs I ever had. Like, and even to the point of like as an apprentice, like I had the best boss, man. He used to like take us to the pub every Sunday and like, <laughs> yeah, he used to like... Yeah, just nice things, you know, that you actually feel like you're part of a team where a lot yeah. of these other places, you're just a number to them, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. show up, punch in, yeah, we'll pay you a bit more, but we don't give a shit about you sort of thing. So yeah. I think that's what I've discovered over over my life. It's more money. Money doesn't solve problems. No matter what your income is, you're going to have issues with something. You know what I mean? There's always going to be issues pop up in your life. Money might make some issues easier to solve, but yeah. then it's not always the, the end of the world sort of well, thing either, you know? Like, yeah. I've always been lucky that I always land on my feet, and I'm pretty grateful for that. And, uh, yeah, I'll just continue to do what I think's right for me and my family, and it usually works out pretty well, so... Yeah, that's what you got to focus on. I was going to say, well, you know, and that's what I like about, um, yeah, you've got the good attitude in terms of focusing. You know, you don't worry too much about what other people are doing and, and what they think. And, you know, I hear, you know, like you're saying about those jobs, you know, like it's not just about the money. People like you and me, that's why we kind of do unusual things because yep. normal jobs don't really cut it for us satisfaction-wise. Yeah. Now, having said that, right, money is what motivates some people. And I say, like, I'm not having a go at those people, like more power to you, but... It's just not necessarily, you know, really what motivates me. And I can kind of see that, yeah, you're similar on that. Yep, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, all right, man. Well, actually, going back to, um, I wanted to touch base because we're obviously, we're both from Perth. Um, yep. So is that where you were born? Tell me a little bit about yeah. where you were born, where you grew up, that kind so of stuff. So I was, I was born in Armidale. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> oh, I know I shouldn't man. say that too loud. Nah, no, so, the funny yeah. thing, people will wonder why we're laughing. Now you have to explain it. <laughs> yeah, so Armidale is like a, a little bit of a dodgy area. Um, it's actually but, pretty good now, but yeah, yeah back in the day. Yeah, back day, in although, the day. <laughs> although, how old are you? Do you mind uh, me asking? I just how turned 31 on Monday, so. Oh, fuck, man, you're still young. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But yeah, still that would have been yeah okay yeah yeah so I uh, was born in Armidale, um, lived in Rollystone for oh, yeah. that's a nice the, suburb. Yeah, man, I lived actually. You probably know the house if you've been up there much. So you know Holden Road. Yeah, I do actually. You, you know yeah. the you Everybody. know the house at the top of the hill with the two brick pillars, yeah. one twenty four. Yeah. That is the house I grew up in. Are you kidding? Nope. No. Wow. <sighs> yep. So man. I grew up at one twenty four. I live about, I could be there in probably about eight minutes. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, I'm, in, I'm in Bickley, Carmel, so I just shoot oh, across, okay. across there. But how I know that is I've done jobs on that road, on Holden yep. Road. I painted the house, you know, down the bottom uh, where there's a curve. Yeah, down there. Yep, yep. At the, yeah, as you come up the hill, you go As the, you come up, you go yep. around then. Yep, by yeah, the right. primary school. So you grew up in that house, man. I grew up in that house for the first 11 years. So from 92 to uh, 2001, I'm going to say, 2002, I lived there. So you went to Rollystone Primary? Yep, went to Rowley Primary (laughs) and went to Rowley High for year six. Wow. Yep. So I am am 
Hills boy. Man, you're a Hills boy, same as me. Yeah, so I I grew up there, man. Like it was, yeah, I remember riding down to the local shops to the video store and the fish and chip shop as a kid. And yeah, like it was. Mate, I guess you would play in the bush and. Yeah, played in the bush and the oval and the skate park down there by the oval. And yeah, like, so that was my stomping ground as a kid. I had a couple of uh, really good mates. So. The intersection at the base of uh, the block that I was on, um, on the corner, one of my good friends, Jono, lived there. Um, he runs Trident Motorsport in Perth, which you probably know of as well. So yeah. um, so I grew up with him and a couple of other mates around the area. So, yeah, so that was my stomping ground for the first, uh, yeah, first 12 years of life, really. So... Wow, that's um, crazy, man. We're practically neighbours. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and then from there, I moved to Bunbury. Okay. And I lived in Bunbury, uh, in Dalyalup, just past Bunbury in that subdivision out there. Yep, so I lived there till I was... has got a place there. Yeah, so lived there till I was, going to say, 15. So we only lived there a couple of years. And then realised we were sort of a bit too far out. Um, so then moved to Mandra and lived in Medora Bay in Mandra. Oh, yeah, I know Medora Bay too. I've yeah. Been, well, my folks lived in Mandra for a couple of years while I was at boarding school. But yep. Yeah, okay. And so then what happened? So then after high school? Uh, then I moved in with some mates in Forestdale. Oh, yeah. And then my parents separated, and then I moved in with my old man in High Wickham. <laughs> yeah. So I stayed there for a while, and then I got my own place in Midland. Um, yeah, lived there for a bit, and then met my ex-wife and lived in uh, Tapping in Joondalup for a couple of years, and then moved over. Yeah, okay. And did you work as a baker straight out of school? Yeah, so, yeah, I was, I dropped out of school in year 11 um, and had my apprenticeship within six to eight weeks of leaving school. Okay, yeah, another fast baker. You know Thomas Hins is a baker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is it about bakers and going fast? Uh, We're crazy because we're up all night, so it's just, (laughs) uh, yeah, there's something about it, I don't know. So, but yeah, Yeah. I am, yeah, done that for... My whole life, really, man. That's all I've really ever done. I've worked in different bakeries. I worked in um, worked at like Baker's Delight and stuff to start with, and then I got an opportunity to go and work at Goodman Fielder in the plant bakery. I worked there for five years. Um, did a stint at a cheesecake shop, making like mug cakes in the morning at like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I've done yeah. a bit of everything, man. So. And so how did you end up over east? How did you end up going from WA to over east? Uh, so I got a little bit tired of not having the opportunity for certain things like music and stuff like that. All the bands were only coming to the east coast and stuff, um, which was part of my factor. I was just a little bit bored, you know, when you're sort of stuck in the same area and you've been there your whole life sort of thing. Yeah, well, um, you're a young guy. You want to see the world. Yeah, yeah, travel around a bit. Um, and then it's really funny. So... We were looking at going, and then Kyle from Aussie Driver Search reached out to me before it was Aussie Driver Search. Um, obviously, I don't know if it was to do with iRacing or if it was something else, but he said, oh, um, we've got a competition. Would you be interested in coming in over and trying out? It was a Pulsar at Winton for like a, a race 
weekend competition thing. I was like, yeah, cool. So went over there, did really well. Um, and he ended up giving me a drive at the Wakefield 300. And then I sort of was like, well, shit, I could actually do something with this. It's something I've always wanted to do. So packed the car and moved to Albury Wodonga. Um, and yeah, lived there and lived five houses down from Matt Charter and yeah, knocked around with him and used to go for a run with him in the morning and stuff like that and went to the workshop a couple of times and yeah, so it was it was very interesting how life sort of puts you on a path pretty quickly and once it gets going it happens pretty fast. Yeah, so basically you just made the decision, up tools and that was it. Yeah, that was it. And then we were in Albury for a year and I got pissed off because it rained like 11 months we were there and I was oh, like, yeah. I need some sun. So we moved to Queensland and that was much better. Nice state. Yeah, yeah, nice. So yeah, we should, um, yeah. Um, so obviously you raced before that. So I kind of want to go over that a little bit. So how, yep. let's go back to the very start. That's the easiest way. <laughs> how did you actually like, you know, what was your first real life uh, motorsport experience? Uh, I did bitumen karting. Um, my cousin, which you might know of as well, Matt Purnell, uh, owned a couple of burnout cars. He was a motorbike mechanic for KTM. Um, so I sort of grew up around it in a way, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I remember most weekends, it was always something on TV that dad was watching. It was either NASCAR or, um, supercars or something like that. So it was always just around me and I was always sort of gravitated towards it, um, a really weird story, which might sort of, <laughs> I to this day, I still don't understand how it happened. But I remember in year three, we got told to write a letter because it was like the 2000 Olympics. There you go. That's a, that's a little age for you. Oh, and yeah. they were like, write a letter to a sports person. And um, yeah, so we all wrote a letter. I can't even remember who I wrote to. It was like a swimmer or something like that, or a runner. Like it was... Just 2000 Olympics, Kathy Freeman, man. Uh, I think it might have been Ian Thorpe. Eh? Like, I, oh, yeah. I, I'm not sure. But anyway, and then all the kids got, like, autographs back, right? Yeah. Like a postcard. And I got one back, but it wasn't from who you think it would be from. So I got one from Peter Brock. What? Yeah. And all it said was, follow your dreams, Peter Brock. And it was his signature, and I was like, "How, how has this even happened?" Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I've still got the postcard to this day. It's framed. It's not going anywhere because it's very strange how it sort of so came how... into my possession. I don't know. I still to this day was can't. He a, was he an ambassador or he, something? I or... don't know. I don't. Well, the know. other thing is, man, you're having the Olympics down under. You got to fucking have Brocky, don't you? Yeah, well, that's it, it's very strange. You know what I mean? And like, obviously, wow. motorsport was still a thing for me as a kid, and like, yeah, but it was very weird how that actually presented yeah. itself. You know what I mean? And that sort of that kicked me onto a path of like, well. Brocky's telling me to go and do it. Let's go and do it. You know what I mean? Sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really strange. So, how, yeah. So one autograph from the master. Yeah. It was enough you. to, yeah. Yeah. Holy pretty much. shit. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's incredible. Yeah, it is. And it just goes to show you the power of like, look, I actually spent some time with Brocky when they used to come over back in the day. And then all the stories are true. He'd sit there until there was no one. Oh left. yeah. Yeah. 
And I even had that experience with um, Craig Lowndes. So I... I yeah, he learned from the master. Yeah, he did. And it was really funny because we used to go to Barbagello every year. Dad's um, dad's business, uh, dad's company that he worked for was Rentco. So they used to put on a big truck over there and everybody could get involved and they put on a big spread and stuff anyway. And I remember walking through the pits and we bumped into Lounsey and um, his, he was actually, I don't know how it worked, but somebody I knew was training his wife's horses or something like that anyway. And it came up in conversation. And then we just like sat there chatting. And he was telling us all about the car. He took us back to the garage and showed us the car. And yeah, it was like incredible. Like I would have been like 10, maybe nine. And to have yeah. that sort of experience was like, wow, you know what back I mean? In those like, days, man, they knew how to treat the fans. They did. Definitely. So yeah. So, and I remember like some, like I remember Ambrose and Scaifey colliding with each other at turn one at Barbagello. And you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, I, yeah. I grew up there. So I've yeah, done a lot. So did I. Like I, yeah. when I came to Perth when I was in high school, like I went to the touring cars every year. It used to be yep. like 12 bucks, I think, when we first used to go and used to be able to go in the pits and everything and talk to all the drivers. And Larry, like my mate Gav, who is now my karting um, mechanical engineer, and he's fucking brilliant. He, um, we were standing there one day looking at Larry's, trying to look at the motor, and we asked the mechanic a question, and he goes down, he talks to Larry, and then Larry, like, signals, like, waves, oh, like, come in, you know? Yeah. And we're like, what? Like, us? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come in. Larry fucking takes us in the transporters, showing us all the cars, he's got the manifold off, like, everyone else has got all this shit, like, under plastic. Yeah. Yeah, man, those were the days, eh? Uh, it's And that's the thing, like, it's become... There's there's positives and negatives for it. Like the positive sure. is motorsports become such a big thing now. You know what I mean? And like it's like more and more people are appreciating it. And like I think a lot of it's to do with the the exclusivity is now not as exclusive as it used to be. Where you've got things like the Drive to Survive on Netflix. So people are starting to understand that it's not just twenty guys sitting in the car driving the car fast. There's a whole and pile V8 of stuff. Should- do something like that. Cause... I've yeah, I'd love to see a back sort of behind the scenes thing of it. I'd love it's to see too, Erebus because um, I think Barry Ryan. It's too would be sanitized, a man. It's too sanitized. Like yep. they're not, you know. First of all, it's a sport, right? Let's not take, you know, yep. like seriously. Let's not take it too serious. But yeah, it's it's big business, and where there's money, there's money, man. So so you get an autograph from Brocky. Right, yep. and that inspires you. You think, fuck it, right? I'm go, I'm going racing. Yep. So, and so what happens next? Every weekend, begging dad to so go to the go kart Bitumen kart, begging dad to go to the track, and I want to race, and I want to do this, and we didn't have the money at the time, and it was sort of like, we'll get there, we'll get there. So eventually, we got there. We did a little bit, but not too much. It was just so how, never. How old were you at this point? Uh, probably twelve or thirteen. Okay. Yeah, so yes, so yeah, so a little bit, um, and then it just it just never really happened. You know what I mean? Like we just never had that money yeah. behind us to really set us up. I did some races here and there, but it was nothing major. And then I sort of went away. Um, what, what track was that? What club was that? Uh, Bunbury. Oh, Bunbury. Oh, yeah. yeah That's a good track. Yeah, it's a killer track, man. So, it's the I hardest think track ch- in WA. I think they've changed it, haven't they? 
Yeah, they have now yeah. and resurfaced as well. It's it's super gripped up and it's yep. like the most G's on a track in WA. Yeah, yeah. it was it was always a fun circuit to run it's around. It's hard to pass, but it's fucking yep. quick. Yeah, it's quick. So, so yeah, yeah. so I did so, some... Okay, sorry. No, so I did some laps there and then, yeah, it's sort of that was as far as it really went um, to start with. And then um, spent a bit of time at the Motorplex when I got a bit older and I had my license, um, I had a VZ Malu Ute and I used oh, to do yeah. the Whoop Ass Wednesdays. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Right. So I used to do some, a bit of drag racing. Um, not not regularly, regularly, but I'd go, you know, a couple of times a, every quarter of the year sort of thing. So yeah. um, have a bit of fun until they told me I couldn't come back anymore because my car was too quick and it needed a roll cage and a parachute. So uh, um, yeah, right. What sort of times were you running then? I did a 13.2 on street tyres and that was without the NOS that was in the car. I had 150 horsepower shot of nitrous that was Chris Mills put in the car. Um, and the thing was a rocket and it had like stage six comp cam in it. Like it was lumpy. It was like this, it was just over the top. I was like 19 and I just had way too much money. Yeah, it was, it was quick, man. So, um, but yeah. Street bikes doing like 11s, 12s. Well, we spent, I think it was 30 on the motor alone. Like it was, it was worked. Like I used to get pulled over regularly because it was so noisy and stuff. I got in a bit of trouble with it, but um, I may have had it impounded once when I was younger. (laughs) But um, yeah, you learn from those mistakes pretty quickly. So in my defense, it was sand on the road and it broke traction. And I, if in doubt, power (laughs) out and. I didn't realise yeah. there was an undercover cop car, three cars behind that just saw smoke peeling out the back of the thing. So yeah, um, but yeah, I don't condone that at all because that was a very silly point in my life. That's for sure. Oh, but we're yeah, all so young, we're all young that's and it. Stupid. Yeah, and you could get away point. with it back then. Now you can't get away with anything. So it's um, yeah, yeah it's very interesting. We used to do so, burnouts. One of our schoolmates, right, in our little, my group was a cop, right? Yep. So when we were young and stupid, we used to go and do burnouts in front of his house on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> We'd go, you know, go in the nightclubs and then on yep. the way home do a burnout by skeezers. Yeah. 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 Shit. So, yeah okay. So, what, so we'll pass Wednesday for a yeah, while and then. We'll pass Wednesday. I spent a lot of time at the Speedway. I was always a big fan of dirt racing and love, I love just watching Speedway. It's huge um, in WA. Oh, it's massive. It really is. Like, it's, yeah, I think... Hard to explain to people. Yeah, people don't understand it because it's... They just think, oh, it's dirt racing like it is in every other part of the country, but it's not. Like, there's just... There's something about it over there. The atmosphere... like I've done culture. Yeah, I've done a couple of events over at Archerfield here and gone and checked them out, and it's, it's good, but it just doesn't have that that atmosphere that WA had with it at like the motorplex. I remember going up to um, Calamunda or not past Calamunda towards, um, I can't even think what's at the top of the hill anymore. Calamunda. Yeah. That's the main suburb at the top of the hill, but there's Les Moody, Gooseberry Hill. Yeah, it's somewhere up there. I remember going out. I remember going to Ellenbrook, Bunbury Speedway quite a lot. You know what I mean? So I I did spend a lot. Oh, Forestfield. Are you talking about me? That was in the hills. 
but they shut like uh, I can't remember. I think Forestfield shut in the Forestfield 70s. shut in the seventies. It wasn't Forestfield. Yeah. Um, it was. Hang on two seconds, and I'll tell you where it is. Oh, I'm just curious to know. Yeah, and there's so many country tracks in WA, and that's oh, what there is. people it's... don't realise. And like, you know, let's I'll take for example, like Dark and Right. I seen uh, who was it? Mundaring. It was oh Mundaring. Yeah, Mundaring. You used to spend a bit out at Mundaring. They did a lot of bike stuff out there. Oh yeah, I know the old yep. airport. Yeah. The old yeah. airstrip. Yeah, yeah, yep. I know where. Yeah, so I spent a bit of time out there oh, as well. Yeah, so I, I jumped around quite a bit um, watching races and stuff like that. And then I've got a, a friend that I met in a car club. We used to do like a, it's either a Friday or a Saturday night cruise every once in a while. And met some guys through there anyway. And one of the guys that I got on really well with, he um, he came from Adelaide and moved over there and he was using the car club to meet people anyway. And he brought his race carts over from Adelaide because Adelaide's got a massive dirt cart um, community. It's massive over there. Anyway, and he goes, oh, have you heard about out on the wheat belt? I was like, no, what's out there? He's like, not a lot. He said, but dirt tracks. I'm like, oh, really? So anyway, one weekend, he's like, oh, I'm going to Gamaling. Do you want to jump in and come? I was like, yeah, cool. So went out there and I was hooked after watching the first lap of the first race. I was like, oh, my God, I need to do this. So... I went and quickly deposited some money out of the bank and uh, went and bought myself a dirt cart. I went and ran um, a BKR cart and got pretty hooked on it pretty quick and spent the whole, I'm going to say 18 months out there. Like, really, I was out there every weekend just about. Like, and, yeah, we raced at Gamaling, Ben Coven. Um, Darren. Darren. There was five Track circuits. During yeah, during Bay. There was five tracks we used to go to. So and yeah. it was like just every weekend there was racing on somewhere. So I spent a lot of time out there. Um, and it was really interesting because I sort of the first two race weekends we went out there, I was hopeless. Hey, I was like, oh, I've done dirt <laughs> stuff before. I'm going to be fine. And um, yeah, I was not good at all some (laughs) some of those farmers man oh they are quick they are quick anyway and we got to oh yeah we got to ben cubbon for the open day and there was like 60 carts out there like there was a lot of people out there hey and um i ended up winning a heat and i was like like holy crap how'd i do that you know what i mean and some of the guys in there have been racing for like five six years and they're like wow you're quick and i'm like I don't think so somehow. I think it was just a fluke, you know what I mean? So, but it was really strange because my cart was never really good on the wet, muddy tracks. But if the track started to dry out, my thing just came to life and I just had grip where other people couldn't find grip. So that was sort of where it... Once it hooked up, maybe. Yeah, yeah. it sort of worked better for me as the races went on and the track started to dry and that line started to move and slick out. That's when I sort of seemed to come and get quicker. But... Yeah, I think that was part of it. So, man, I'll explain. I've got to explain something to the listeners. First of all, how good is the WA Wheat Belt dirt car oh, scene? It's so mental. It's and so what? So what? Roughly, what year was? Uh, so you started racing. Man, what year were we talking? 
Ah, so I moved to Albury 2015, so it would have been like 2012, 2013, 2014, okay. somewhere around there. So, so about, yeah, about just over 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah probably okay. about so 10 years ago. It's It was a good scene back then, the reason I asked, because, but now it's just like it's gone to another place. And when I say gone to another place, mostly just participation numbers. So, yeah, to explain to the listeners, so... What happens in WA, you've got all Karting Australia, which is bitumen. Yeah. Um, and then you've got two types of dirt cart series. You've got the ADIKA or whatever it is. So that's your official yep. um, that's, sanction. That's where and guys that's, like Tim Ryan have run and stuff like yeah, that. Like and that's you. Yep. kind of your top level, let's say. Um, there's a lot of rules about, you know, and there's all different classes, kind of like bitumen karting, but on the dirt. And now it's a really good scene and it's awesome, but... It's also reasonably expensive, and it's kind of more aimed at the top end kind of serious races. It's competitive, so then, yeah. It's it's for championships and yeah. It's a, it's you know they run you know proper racing rubber and it's a lot of people say because you know you're going through like a set of tyres a meeting and it's getting pretty out of control. But anyway, that's another story. But you know, and look, hey, money in motor racing just go hand in hand. That's a thing, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, with the wheat belt. So what they did was. They make tracks out now, and there's a few things I love about it, right? So they basically, the seniors just use the old um, KT100S, so the old Clubman yep. motors, and the juniors use the Js, right? Because they're around, they're fucking cheap. There's thousands of them oh, now yeah. that Karting Australia, for those that don't know, have upgraded to new motors. So these are the old motors. And the other thing is you're not allowed to buy racing rubber, so you're allowed to get bitumen tires and groove them for yeah the we used to groove our own man it was so, yeah, yeah that's what everyone does there's a couple of guys out there right and they groove them up and give them away because a lot of the bitumen guys right they run them once or twice and then chuck them out so it's awesome little series and even i'm pretty sure like the way they've got it set up right is they with the open class in seniors there's actually no rules right nah, and, it's it's free for all it's, and what you it... do but what it does is it, it makes it so like there's, it, it's incredible, right? Because you think, oh, what? That's fucking crazy. No, what it does is it allows, like, there's no cheating. Because a big part of, you know, what's the problem with the other series is that, you know, there's always some kind of drama going on about rules and, you know, this guy did that. And, you know, that happens in any kind of racing. But the good thing about the wheat belt, so there's no measuring. Like, you can, and the other thing is, you can have all the power you want, right? But on the dirt, if you can't get it down, it's not going to really help you that much. So most guys just kind of soup up their KTs, right? But, you know, it's so cool because a lot of those farmers, they like playing with engines and toys and stuff, and it's low cost. The other thing is the tracks, right? Most of the proper sanctioned racing tracks, they're kidney beans, right? Which I reckon fucking boring, right? Yeah. The cool thing about Gamaling and Darren and Ben Cubbon and Jerry Bay, if you look them up on a Google Maps, people, you'll see they're like normal go-kart tracks, right, with an actual proper European-style layout, yeah. but no, no bitumen. And those things combine. And, mate, the other thing is people go out there to race, they're camping out, the camaraderie. It's a bit more, you know, because they're not really racing for seep stations, but there's still a lot of fucking quick dudes out there and like yeah it's just to explain it quickly it's a it's an awesome scene man and you must have had you must have had a lot of fun the other thing is when you when you're out there doing that kind of a series right there's always like some kind of shenanigans that goes down was there ever anything like that happening in the, uh, in the yeah yeah there used to be a bit of fun every now and then you know what i mean so it was um it Can was pretty good stories? oh i can't think of any off the top of my head i know i know that um 
Yeah, we used to mess, like, especially, like, when you were friendly with someone, you used to mess around with each other's carts and stuff like that. So, like, little things like that. So, I know that I took a pound of pressure out of one of my mate's rear tyres and he was, like, (laughs) went out on track and he's, like, this thing's not working at all. (laughs) And I'm, like, oh, yeah, it might be you're missing some air out of your left rear. So, yeah, little things like that. But it it was, like, just a great place to just be out there and, like, I, I guess the other part of it was it was an adventure. You know, you you gear up, like I'd go to work during the week and I'd get home from work and I would be in the garage till like 11, 12 o'clock every night, like pulling the cart down, cleaning it up, servicing yeah. it. There's something seeing, about that part Seeing of it, what yeah. we could do to make the cart faster. Like I used to go down to Cart Mart in Welshpool. Like, Man, that's where I buy my gear. Yeah. Every yeah. every other week, like he used to know me on a face first name basis. I was there so often buying bits and pieces from him. So and yeah, and just, yeah, that's it. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And then yeah, we'd um we'd load the van up on the Friday night, park it out on the road so it was ready to go, and set the alarm to sort of three o'clock in the morning, and you're up and you're ready to go on the Saturday. Because uh, it's usually like I think the close I think Malling was three hours away from Midlands. So I think that was the closest distance and like Ben Coven, Dower and stuff like that, they were like four, four and a half hours. So it was a long drive, but it was, like I said, it was the adventure of it all and getting there and setting up for the day and camping for the night and then racing on Sunday as well and then head off like sort of one o'clock in the afternoon Sunday, get home and carts in the garage and you usually go, I should should probably go to bed and then you're up at 10 o'clock still cleaning them down and stuff. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the only thing they get filthy. I might actually, I haven't done any of it yet, but I'm, because I'm still kind of like young enough to race the bitumen. So as you know, I did a year last year and did okay. But once, once I get too old, that's the plan. I'll go do a probably a couple of seasons on the dirt because it's not as hard on the body. Nah, it's it's That's not. one thing I'm finding with the bitumen, man. Apart from Dower and Turn 1 scares the crap out of you every time you go through there. It's <laughs> yeah, way true. too fast. Like, And then, like, and the other good thing is, like, it wasn't just the racing for myself personally out there. It's also, like, watching the other guys. Like, there was a group of them that used to run the twin, so they used to run two KT100Ss. Yeah. And those guys, they're like, they're nutcases, hey? Man. Like, the, the speed they carry through the corners there's some is good, ridiculous. There's some good videos on YouTube. Yeah, if yep. you go on there, if anyone wants to go down that rabbit hole. There's some <laughs> wicked videos on YouTube, man. Wheat belt carts type that in. Even my mate, um, Aaron Friend, he, he um, went and ran a couple last year with his son. And he just said, like, the social aspect and the fact that you're racing and yeah, he, he had a lot of fun. So yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the only thing is the distance, but you know, if you're in WA, like man, four hours, everything's, I, I go everything's four hours. Four hours. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. So, but yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, little things like that. Like I popped a motor at Gamaling and I had, I think I had like 40 minutes to change it over and fix it and stuff like that. And there's, competitors came up and gave us a hand and stuff like that and yeah it was like yeah it's it's good sportsmanship you know what i mean it's not it's not just about winning trophies it's about racing fun and clean and enjoying yourself and yeah it's um yeah it's a great place to learn that's for sure and so did you go on to um do any sort of kind of racing after that Nah, not really. So not really. I got down the... You've had a few the, drives here and there, I know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, just a couple here and there. Um, Wakefield 300 was really the only... 
own a major one, um, but working towards some stuff at the moment currently for probably 24. Um, okay, but yeah, well, that just, was my next question. Yeah, yeah there's, there's the plans. There? Is there oh, plans? Is there ambition? What can you tell me? Uh, I want to I wanna race full-time, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, we talked about this before. Yeah, it's um, it's just a matter of finding the budget for it, for one. Um, yeah. There's a couple of other things I'm sort of working on in the background that I can't really say too much about at the moment. Um, but, yeah, yeah, there's some there's some exciting times ahead, definitely. So it's just a matter of um, seeing what happens. So this year it's all about me and getting myself to the best physical shape I've ever been in and, and being race ready and then – hopefully if everything falls into place 24 you'll see some pretty cool stuff so yeah so that's where we're at yeah. at the moment with it so so yeah okay so tin tops are we talking like it's not yeah. carding or anything like that no 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 no. straight to cars and yeah. uh yeah so it'll be everything with a roof um but yeah there's yeah a couple of things i'm looking at definitely not even just in australia either there's some stuff overseas i'd love to Ooh. tick off as well so Hello. yeah yeah, what continent so, are we talking? Uh, there's a couple of continents. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I've, but been, I've been down this rabbit hole. Yeah, it's it's easy to happen. So, nah, there's you should some, talk to David Haynes. Yes, yes, definitely. So I know that there's the champ car stuff in America where they go to some pretty cool circuits that I would love to do um, at mm. some point. Uh, there's a couple of things in Europe that I'd love to, to see and do. And there's actually some stuff in Asia that looks pretty impressive as well so okay. it's just a matter of getting that budget together to make it happen and um yeah, yeah. that's part of it yeah it is because um, i've we are being down this rabbit hole the thing that i found with europe i found it was hard it was expensive big budgets yep. the other thing is the language barrier but i tell you where's not bad is um uk and yep. like based around silverstone right that champ car series in the us they have yep. the same kind of thing over there yeah. And there's a lot of just like uh rock up drive, paid drives, and they're not they're not crazy money, man. It's reasonably easy. Like uh most of the prices that I got quoted for stuff was like between about a thousand and five thousand pounds. Yep. Um, but you're talking like twelve hour, twenty four hour races, man. And I reckon yeah. especially at the start, you just want laps. Now if you're sitting down and you're thinking about how to get into motorsport and you break down, man, part of the reason why I stopped running midgets at the Speedway was because, like, I had to tow my car 400 k's to either Geraldton or Albany or Narragin, which is about yep. three hours, and I get three eight-lap heats and a 12-lap feature. feature. And when I say laps, Chris, I'm talking, like, fucking 15, 12-second, 15-second yeah. <laughs> laps. Yep. It's like, yeah. man, this is wait, Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff close by, Um and doing a lot of laps so yeah i've um um what you got to do is probably find somebody who works in that field my advice would be find someone you know some kind of uh because there's people out there man who will sell sponsorships for you based on a you know like a commission kind of thing yeah um and um raising budget is just like anything i tell people um you know because a lot of people get put off motorsport by the money and um, I'm actually doing some podcasts for Aussie Car where I talk about this stuff in more detail. But I tell people, like, don't necessarily put off by it, right? Because money is just a problem, right? Like anything else. The other thing is the 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 way to fucking ways to raise money like these days, right? Um, you know, um, because I, I can't say too much. Um, but, you know, I've got... Uh, 
I got something coming up and I'm, you know, it's a, it's a driving car for a day and I'll be surprised if you don't win it. And if you don't win it, uh, I'll pay for you to go <laughs> anyway and have the drive just right, because I'll, more, I'll more laps. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, well, it's like I said, it's a reasonably easy budget and I've got a few sponsors that would cover it pretty easy. But yeah, yeah. if you just put yourself out there and like, even like, I don't know, man, I was thinking about this before we were going to talk today and I was thinking like, uh, how what do you think about this idea like because these days right like gofundme or patreon what do you think yeah. about that yeah i think it's i think it's great the way that the world's gone with technology in certain aspects you no, know I mean, what i mean for you to like raise the funds to raise cars yeah i i don't know how do you like, feel about doing that? i don't yeah i don't know because I don't feel like I'm good enough, you know what I mean? Right, to be... I'm, right, I'm glad you said that, right? That whole yeah. thing was just a trap, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say, Yeah. right? But here's the thing, man. I'm telling you, this sim racing community in Australia, right, it's pretty big, right? I'll give you an yep. example. Um, Rob uh, Harris, yep. um, he's, you know who he is? He's yep. a streamer. Now, he's a dude I know that struggles at times with mental health, right? And he was cleaning his curved screen, right, one day, yep. and he fucking knocked it off the stand and he broke it. And the dude I was did, gutted, I right? do remember that You post. remember this, right? Yeah, I actually gave him a bit of a cash. So, yeah, what happened was I was like, you know what, how much are these screens? I looked it up. It was 1200 bucks. I thought, fuck it, I'll put a GoFundMe up. If we can't raise that yeah. for these guys for a new screen, I'll be, mate, like 12 hours. Yeah. Right? Now, the other thing is I know, because here's the thing, right, I know you don't think you're worthy, and it's mostly what you got to do right with this is to get past it. you got to, it's mostly ego, right? That's getting in yeah, your way. Right? I, so I like, if you, here's yeah. what I'm saying. Hear me out, hear me out. If you put, if you, if you actually get a drive lined up, but you need the funds and you put it up online, I guarantee you, man, that the Australian sim racing community will get behind you because yeah, man, you've got some kind of special talent that, you know, few people get. And, you know, we we want to see that uh, used, you know, to the fulfilment. So, yeah, All I'm right. telling you as a friend, man, I know it'll be hard for you to do it. And, like, you know, maybe maybe someone else should do it on your behalf, maybe, or something like that. But just keep that in the back of your mind. Like, that's a real thing these days, man. Like, yeah. you know, I sponsor people, um, you know, I sponsor a couple of people through Patreon, and they're what I call content creators, yep. right? Because, you know, it's only, like, $30 a month and, like, Man, I'm not I'm not millionaire, right? But I've done all right. Money's yeah. not my jam. So, you know, people do these things these days, man, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's yeah, it's just It's just you that's gotta get past Yeah, I, I don't know, like like the 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 story with Rob, obviously, it's it's a bit of a different situation because you're helping somebody to get back to what they were doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where I know what you're saying. why why are people going to give me money to go and race when they could have an opportunity to go and race and they could be no, just as good? You know what, what I mean? You're doing, man. You're working on. See, the here's the thing is right. Everyone only gives ten bucks. Yeah. They're not giving thousands of dollars, right? But oh, you know, oh, if we all chuck in ten or twenty bucks in the kitty, man, we know. That could like get you to the states for a champ car race, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'll think, I'll think about, about it. it. So I'd rather I'd rather give value to people. I think you'd be like, surprised. Oh yeah, you might you might be Start right. small yeah. maybe. Like. Yeah, I I mean there's there's the 
I'm working on something at the moment now locally that will give me the opportunity, not only for myself, but other people in the sim racing community uh, to be involved with it. So once that sort of falls into place, then I think yeah, nice. it will open up more avenues down the line yeah, sort yeah. of thing. So Yeah, it's, well, um, just keep it in mind. Like yeah, it's... <laughs> It's always been the dream, obviously, is to to race, and I mean, I would love to eventually tick off that that Le Mans start in real life. You know what I mean? But as I get older and older, I would see it less likely to happen. But uh, you never no, say yes never. No. You know what I mean? So there's You're always paid drives. Oh, I know I'm not too late. So there's always paid drives available. So maybe one day you might see me there but uh we'll see what happens so yeah and i made karting come back at 50 won won the club <laughs> title so, yeah you did awesome i mean man. it's only club but man i follow dudes in europe like marco timbal racing and a couple of european guys and they're just like they're mostly like rich old dudes but not yeah. crazy rich they're just dudes that have had good businesses and done okay and yeah. all they do is like race you know endurance racing and yeah they spend a little bit of money but it's not crazy money it's and they're like in their 50s and 60s man and they're still going around, so you got you got plenty. Of I got time. time. Like, oh, I got time, definitely. So yeah, especially like you know, just to like tick off like you know certain goals and stuff like there's, that. There's there's some certain races around the world that I would love to be a part of, definitely. So yeah, so we'll see what happens. But you got to go get it. But I think you'll be surprised too, man. I think it's uh, and I'm like not telling you what to do because you already really got the right attitude and all the rest of it. But yeah, if you go get it, like and have the attitude, like. You know, it's not going to come to me. Like, um, yeah, you know, no one's going to walk up to you on the street and say, hey, no. man, do you want to drive in Champ Car? But start talking to the right people. And, yeah, the money, the sponsorship, that's just part of it. You yeah, know? it'll um, all fall into place when it's ready. So, And yeah, that's, oh, and that's the thing for this year is obviously with taking so much time out of the sim, it's just spending as much time as I can getting yeah. them reflexes sharp again because they're a little bit rusty at times. There's been a couple of catches where two years ago I wouldn't have even batted an eyelid to it and then like I'm like crossed up <laughs> oh, on the yeah. wheel and freaking out. After 30, so. man, it's all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so just working on that this year. Um, pretty excited. I've got, uh, I've got a sponsor on board, um, which is I'm working with, which will be released today on the VMM page this afternoon. So uh, pretty oh, excited nice. for that. Um, yeah, so a few other bits and pieces. I'm making a, a comeback to the Cup Series in Anne's car this year. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I've, uh, I've purchased myself That's a, a charter, and that is a very big calendar for the year. There's 36 races, so it's, um yeah, so... A lot of work coming out. Well, you've done all those tracks before, really. So I have. I'm not, really... I'm not. I'm not concerned. Um, I haven't done much in the new, the next gen cars. Um, I've done a little bit of testing in the last week or two. The car seems to drive a little bit better to suit my style of driving. I've always been very much a throttle guy, obviously from the dirt background, where the last generation of cup cars was very. I just I couldn't get the speed out of it because it wasn't loose. Where these new ones are quite loose, so I'm actually quite excited for that. Um, I think it might benefit my driving style quite a bit. So, uh, and they've also gone to a fixed to open setup, so you'll start the race. Everybody will start the race on the same oh. setup, but you can actually adjust the car in the pit stops with tyre pressures and spring spring Interesting. rates. Interesting. So mix it up a bit. It'll mix it up massively. Um, they've they've actually brought in quite a few new rule changes. Uh, it'll be 
time day sensitive. So if the race starts, it might only be 150 laps, but say the race in real life starts at lunchtime and finishes in dark, we'll have that same transition in the race. So the cars are going to change and manipulate over the course of the race. So you'll need to be on top of that stuff as well, which I think will be where your, um, yeah, where the where the quicker guys will come into it because if they can make the changes on the fly, um, it's definitely going to assist in going forward for sure. Hey, um, one question I wanted to ask you. Yep. Why do you reckon so many quick people come out of WA? <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's Skirlock. a I, It's funny that you ask that because I've had this question before and really. Yeah, and the only thing that I can really put it down to is there's a couple of things. One, there's not that much else to do over there. So people do tend to spend a lot of time doing what they love. So I think that's a lot of it. Like I do know that I've got a couple of mates that would cart races over there and they'd spend three or four days a week at the track. You know what I mean? So I think that's part of it. I think... That also then crosses across to the sim side of stuff because I think there's not a lot to do. They spend a lot of time on it. Um, <laughs> Skurlock, for instance, is I think it's his adaptability to be able to find grip Man. in other places. And he's I, just fast in anything. Let me and tell I, you, he is. He puts a lot of work into it, but I feel like because of his background with motocross, I feel like he just is able to find grip in different areas and different ways than other people would. And I've seen his data obviously going back and it's, um, it's always been interesting to look at his data and go, how the hell has he done that? You know what I mean? Like how has he found three tents here when everybody else is two tents behind him? You know what I mean? So it's, it's strange, but um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's not having much to do over there is one part okay. of it. That's an interesting theory. I'm not, I don't know if I'm buying that. I don't know. Like, it kind of <laughs> makes sense. Let me think about that. I mean, it's because people do get this perception of WA, as you know, that like, you know, it's not like the rest of Australia. And like, I had someone ask me one day if we had escalators. We've only just progressed to traffic lights, man. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, but say, so, I mean, there's plenty of stuff to, I'll tell you what, I've got a theory. Um, I asked, um, I asked Glenn Jacobs this. Now, Glenn Jacobs, right, and people probably don't know who he is, but he made the first ever, the world's first ever mountain bike uh, bike video, mountain bike video, like yep. music video, Mud Cows. Yeah. There'll be a few people out there listening who will remember that. And he's like a bit of a guru when it comes to like just stuff in the mountain bike industry and trail building events, movies, like he's, and he's always been like breaking new ground. Like he changed the industry, that kind of guy. Anyway, yep. I asked him one day, it's like, how come so much talent? Cause obviously, you know, Sam Hill comes from yep. WA and there's a lot of other good riders too that have come out of here and too many for me to name now. But I asked him and he said, well, he said, Iso- isolation breeds creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, Perth is the most isolated city in the world. Yep. And I was like, uh, and I thought about that. What do you think about that? That That's probably more accurate than the, there's nothing to do. But yeah, definitely it's... um. It's kind yeah. of because like you've got to make... You're not you've got to make your own 
yeah, you're not influenced by all the other crap going on yes. around. Like, and it's like, like you said, it's isolated. And I remember growing up that it was never a lot of bands that came to thing. There's only like, you only get the supercars once a year. You know what I mean? And that's Yeah, it. well, it's that's not... part of the reason why you moved over there. But also over there breeds opportunity too, right? Because the same thing that's happened correct. to Garth, Garth Tander, right? So yep. me and, um, he's a bit younger than me, I think, but like, Funny story, um, he used to work at Flat Out Carts, right? Garth used yep. to do my engine rebuilds when he was like a 16-year-old mechanic. <laughs> um, and then I sort of finished high school, was racing carts, and I was, I, I was, it was a bit weird because like I was sort of okay, but I'd never put a year together. Yep. I'd always jump around and do this and do that. And like Garth was quick, man. He won state titles and national okay. titles over here. And then he sort of fluffed around Formula Ford, the year after he finished carding um, and then he sort of got to a point where it was like, oh, he got to move over east, you know, and he made the jump and moved over east and started working for Gary Rogers, I'm pretty sure it was, yep. as an apprentice. And then, like, the rest is history. So, yeah, there's it's kind of funny, like, how it's good to come from here, but it's maybe for certain careers it's not good to stay here. Stay there. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's good, I think, like, yeah, as a as a young kid, Perth is awesome to grow up for. You it's know what I mean? It's getting a lot better now. Like, yeah. And you notice, like, I don't know if you've been following, but in the – so the United Arab Emirates had been running an F4 series, and there's, like, four young Aussies. Uh, one guy is actually battling with another guy for the championship, but there's a young guy from Perth. Oh, okay. Um, Noah Lyle. And so it's interesting how the world's changing because now, like, I mean, I don't know what sort of budgets they're putting together over there. They're reasonably serious. But I looked into it. It's not crazy money, but you're going to need, like, some kind of business or a hookup. Like, I think you're talking yeah. 100, 150K. Um, but, they were, you know, like, this is the, where the young talent is going. And there's another series in Italy. And also the UK series is, like, massive. And, like, now that's actually, like, a, a real option for... You know, you got some kid who's got a bit of backing from here, man. Because from here, it's like a ten-hour flight. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like, it's it's, it's a I'm different gonna say, world. I'm going to say this, and it might not sound right, but Australian motorsport is fantastic at the top end. It's not great at the bottom end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, karting's no, good, but then then there's yeah. that grassroots big, big level, even. I mean, you even look at Excel Racing. Five years ago, that was cost affordable. Now, like yeah. some of the cars coming out of there, thirty, forty thousand dollars XLs. You know what I mean? Like people are throwing huge money just to be competitive in something like yeah, that. Yeah, you don't so, have to be a car owner, but you want to just drive them. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. But even then, you're yeah, still looking you're at saying. a couple of grand just for yeah. a, a weekend. Do you know but what I money, mean? The money thing is always just. You know, it is just a part of it. I tell people, yeah. like, it's like, I mean, I don't know, any sport, you know, like, even RC cars. I had a mate who was really good at it, um, my old mate, rest in peace, Wilkie, who was state champion here, and he told me, dude, don't do it. Yeah. He's like, fucking, it's just stupid money, don't do it. And he actually talked me out of it. But, you know, the other thing is, yeah, it is just one of those things. And what always makes me laugh, too, is, like, a lot of people, not use it as an excuse, but, you know, they'll say, oh, like, Especially kids that are born into money, right? Yeah. Like, let's say, for example, like Brody Kostecki and those guys, right? Say, so, oh, their folks are rich. Oh, it's just they, you know, oh, no, the perfect one is the Jones boy, right? Yeah. Macaulay Jones. Oh, he's only got to drive because of his dad. Right, right. Well, I've got news for you, right? 
money don't fucking press the pedals and no. turn the wheel. And he right? like he works extremely hard on his fitness and, yeah, as well. Okay. Like he owns, he's he, a, yeah, sorry, think, he's had a few bad results, but you know, like he's actually like if put it this way, right? Whoever's online knocking that guy, if you put that guy in a supercar oh, and with Macaul- Macaulay Jones is gonna wipe the floor with your yeah. ass, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. It's all relative, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you might look at him and go, oh, he only runs 20th every week, but look at the calibre of guys in the field. You know what yeah, I mean? We're talking like, about top level. Yeah, and I guarantee when this car changes, it's going to change everything. Like, this next yeah, it season. Yeah, will be real interesting, eh? Because I, Everyone's I starting reckon... Everyone's Well, not only that, but... The problem is, right, nobody can pass anybody in these cars at the moment. Like, you'll get yeah. the occasional pass, but they just heat the front tyres up too quick. There's too much aero on them, and then it's impossible to pass. And you see it, like, you see quick guys like Shane get through the field quite easily, but yeah. when there's not that much of a gap, like, you got to remember, Shane's on another level to everybody else. If you actually look at the field as a perspective, right, and you take Shane and Chaz and Cam and all them quick guys out of the equation, the rest of the field from, like, yeah. Bryce Ford, Coley Jones... Andre Heingart, all those guys, they're so close in speed. There's only a tenth. And when you're only a tenth apart on lap speed, it's hard to pass. So yeah. you need a car that moves around and it's not hindering the car behind because of the airflow. So I guarantee this season with these new cars, providing they've taken enough aero off of them, which I think I was just going to say, I think the aero kits there, yeah. Looking at it. On paper, it should be quite good, and I would I would not be surprised if we have the most craziest season of racing to come, like with different winners and multiple passes, and like I've got. Yeah, a, it's going to be very interesting. It'll be very interesting, and I don't even think Newcastle is really going to be a good place to see how good it is, because Newcastle is quite no, a top circuit. I yeah. think you're not really going to get a sort of an example until we go to places like. Um, Eastern Creek, because obviously that is always been known as a bit of a high aero track. Um, where taking that aero off, I think the car is going to move around a bit more. And people go, oh, but they won't be as fast. But who gives a shit? If the racing's better, who cares yeah. if they're five seconds a lap slower? I don't. It's I'd a rather good reset. Take... I think it will be. And, and we've seen it in other sports. Look what happens, like uh, in F1, man. Every time they change the rules, it always it change the cars. It always like throws something up there. Like that's yeah. how Braun, you know, that's how Button got his title. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> and right. And it took him eight races to figure it out. By by then, man, it was fucking too late. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, um, he won some crazy like I can't remember the numbers. Right, I'm gonna make it up. I, this was wrong. He won like. 10 or 12, uh, 8 out of the first 10 or 12 rounds. Yeah, and then after that, crazy. he only won one more race or something for the rest of the season. Yeah. But it was enough to finish on top. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be going to be real interesting. To, yeah, yeah, to yeah, I think I think we're in for a really good year of motorsport. And I, mean, I hope so. It needs the, it. Supercars oh, I mean, is a bit, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit on the nose. Yeah, yeah, it has been the last few years. But, I mean, I don't know if you watched the real Bathurst 12-hour, the the last yeah, 90 yeah. minutes of that race was intense. I was pacing Kenny. around the house and yeah. I didn't know what to think and what to who was going to win it because it was yeah, it, was, a good it race. was really anybody's shot with even 15 minutes to go still because yeah. they were all so close. So it was yeah, awesome. It was a, 
Yeah, I watched all that. Yeah, and that guy, Kenny, he fascinates me. Man, I'd love to have a chat with that guy. But, is, um, I think he's, he's a bit out of my league on here. But, he's um, very smart, man. He's, he's a very, very interesting guy. You know what? I think, right, like, uh, he's got a real interesting history. I wanna, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure, like, he crewed for Brock um, back in yeah. the day. And, like, might have even bought, like, a couple of, like, ex-Brock cars and that's kind of how he got into it but yeah he's a real interesting guy interesting yeah. entrepreneur so yeah yeah I, don't, I think he's a bit out of my league but um <laughs> you never anyway, know you never know yeah, you never know so man we should uh we'll probably start wrapping it up soon but one thing I kind of wanted to touch on before we um um went back on that was that we sort of talked um at the start a little bit about mental health so um that's kind of one of the subjects that I'm like interested in in um, life so I wanted to sort of just delve a little bit into that and ask you like a little bit about not necessarily that you have to uh you know uh share like you know how what it was like or anything but more I'm interested in like you know what you do how you manage it sort of how you're aware of it um and yeah what you do to sort of keep on top of it yeah so um for me personally it's definitely like i get myself into a bad mindset i guess you could say um and it's it can be triggered by anything really to be honest with you you know what i mean i could be making something in the kitchen and it could kick off so really? uh, yeah, it's, okay. is that it, more anxiety based, uh, or is that no, it's not i wouldn't say it's anxiety i think sometimes it's frustration um, in myself, okay. um, because I feel like I could be doing more or accomplishing more or, you know what I mean? So a lot of that sometimes is more like performance driven on myself. Like I, I'm pretty, pretty hard on myself if I'm not picking the goals. You don't I'm like on. to waste time. No, I, you only live once. Is that like, what it is? You beat yeah. yourself up if you yeah, waste I time? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah I okay. kick the crap out of myself, to be honest with you. That's what um, you were trying to say there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in not so many words. So it's... Um, no, that's all right. That's good. Yeah, it's so it's very much like that. Like, if I don't... I've got this crazy thing about myself where it's kind of like a wanderlust thing where I want to explore and uncover new things. And because, obviously, you there's not much of that to do like in the, in the scheme of real world. Like there's a lot of stuff that's been discovered and stuff like that now. So I get this, like, it's like an urge where yeah. I have to like reset all the time. You know what I mean? And I want to, yeah. I want to do something big and out there and, and there's it's still like, heaps of stuff out there. There is, but it's like, I don't know. It's, I know exactly it's something what you're saying, man. If you were I, born back in the day, right, you would have been a wanderer. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like if you were born even, in the 10th century, you were I've even like... joked about it with my partner. I'm like, I'll yeah. just get a dog and just walk. And like <laughs> even her dad said the same thing, like it was funny as. So, but yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know, like there's that sort of. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, like, and like if you like spoke to my family, they'd be like, yeah, he's always picking up and moving on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's something I've yeah. always done. And it's, it's now. Yeah, it is. It's hard to manage in the modern life. It is. It is. Yeah. It's um, 
it's so what sort of do you th- what sort of things do you do to um, I do I do go for big walks quite frequently and get out in the fresh air and I, I like to go early in the morning so like usually between four and five a.m. and just yeah. get out and like where there's nobody connecting ar- with nature well there's no one around you know what I mean so I can feel yeah. like I'm actually one with myself and I might listen to a podcast or sometimes I just want to listen to what's going on out there in the world like so it's there's lots of different things so that's a big thing that I like to do. Um, I notice when I have a bad day of eating, like if I have takeaway or we go out for dinner or something, I te- that tends to trigger me as well. Like it's, and I have to eat clean food. Do you know what I mean? Like if I don't, that's it, going back to the guilt thing again. Yeah, yeah, I beat myself up because I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing when it's okay yeah. to have those meals every once in a while. So, um, yeah, so there's that sort of aspect of it. Um, I do a bit of meditating as well just to like so i've got this thing where i can't switch my brain off like i can't like i'm i'm constantly thinking of ideas and scheming on how to get those ideas into real life and you know what i mean like my brain is just constantly going and i can see that i can see that Um, but that's Um, what makes you good at what you do as well it's also your worst enemy yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm like jealous of my partner because we'll be having a conversation and she'll fall asleep mid-sentence. And I'm like, how <laughs> how can you do that? Like, And I'm like, yeah, I just can't. I can't do that. You know what Meditation's I mean? Meditation like, good, good for practicing that. So when you yeah. meditate, like, do you mind me asking, what is that exactly what does that look like? Uh, so not like the stereotype sitting cross-legged on the floor with a mat or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, no. it's more like... That's good. Um, yeah, like I like to... I like to lay down when I do it and usually in a dark room. So I find early in the morning or late at night is the best time for me to do it because then I can, it's, yeah, I can kind of zone out. I also have done the, I've gone to a float tank a couple of times and laid in a float tank and that's, uh, that got me, man, like real good. Hey, like I was, I was full decompressed and relaxed after that one so yeah so i don't mind doing those every once in a while as well because it's just it's that different atmosphere and it's another level it is it is and um yeah it's like and it doesn't always work like you you'll know i was just man i was just gonna say that and even like i've recommended it to people and they went yeah you know and the people that do tend to do that is because they don't go deep enough. You know what I mean? Like you've got to go yeah. uncomfortably deep to yeah. get to that point of where it actually starts to make it. Well, I tell people too, right? Like I'd say to them, like meditate for a while normally before you go do that, because I think that was a mistake I made with one friend. They just went and did it and yep. without doing it. And then I realized afterwards, oh, it's like, it's trying to like skip to level two. Yeah, you know? yeah, you got to start at the beginning with it. So yeah, so definitely that. So yeah, um, okay. So dark room, lying down. Dark room, yeah, laying down. Isolate. Yeah, I've I found that the um, yeah, the scene as I call it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and then that's and that's where the the visual mental stuff comes in for me as well because it's like. So how do you manage that once you're in there and you're relaxed and the thoughts are coming? Like, how do you manage it's, all that? It's really interesting. So, because the first while that I started doing it, I couldn't manage it. And then I was getting overwhelmed because there was all these thoughts coming in and I was trying to process them all and stuff Completely like that. Completely normal. And then I'm like, this is not going to fucking work. Anyway, and then I spoke, no, to mum about, I spoke to mum about it and she's like, what you got to do is just let him come and go. 
she's like yes. the important ones will come oh. back and then since i've been doing that it's like and it's really weird because i'll do it and i'll know that i've had some good ideas and they go and i'm like okay let's see what happens and they'll come at the most random times you know what i mean like i was yes. doing i was doing something on the sim the other night and i had to stop because i was like i have to write this down you know what i mean and it they come at different stages for me i'll be changing a nappy and i'll be hands full and i'll be like shit i've got to write this down and like yeah so it's okay, it gets a bit crazy at times so it's it's little things that can sometimes trigger those memories back and stuff like that so i think there's a lot of potential with the human brain and untapped resources in it you know what i mean so oh yeah we don't know shit yet no we don't man. we're just we we're really just starting don't. to figure it out so yeah. two things there the writing it down i want to come back to that but your yep. mum your mum man she was on to it where did she find out so mum's been mum's very spiritual um she does okay. so always from a kid growing up sort of thing. yeah or? yeah so she's she's been involved with it her whole life sort of thing like on that side of things she's very in touch with herself and like um yeah it's it's really interesting so she was on to it man that was the best advice anyone ever gave you yeah oh, <laughs> just definitely. let the thought come like the trick is obviously you know but yeah for people listening the trick's not to control what's happening the trick is to like let the thoughts come acknowledge them for what they are and then let them and pass then go. Yep, that's and it. then like at the start it's real messy it's hard they come <laughs> frequently they come frequently and here's the other thing is right you never this is the other trick you never master it right you get better at it yeah and then over time you know what i've found is that um you know they come less frequency uh, you know, less frequent, and then the gaps between them are bigger. The other thing yeah. is, you, what it teaches you is how constantly distracted you really are. Yeah, because I find if you want to get to the bottom of the deep shit of why you're doing the dumb shit that you're doing at the moment, or whatever you're trying to figure out, and it's like just processing your stuff before you store it on your hard drive, kind of thing. And I find, you know, practice makes perfect. But yeah, I find that. It's really interesting that you basically came up with pretty much the same method and, and yeah. your mum was onto it. Yeah, and it's and it's like you can never you're never gonna be a hundred percent good at it. Like you're gonna have days where it's gonna be a fucking struggle and you're not gonna yeah. be able to get to that stage and then other days like I've had days where I've literally gone within seconds into that area and I'm like, Okay, I'm I'm good, you know what I mean? And then There'll be other days where I'm trying for 45 minutes yeah, and I can't even breach the surface. So it, it happens and it, it it changes with the time. And I find that it's also what's going on in the bigger picture of life at that time will sort of influence how easy or not it is for you to get into that meditative state. So yeah. it's... The only um, thing I find, do you, do you find it hard um, when you say, do you like basically set a time aside? Um, a lot of people struggle with that because... And here's the thing, what I here's how I manage it. I'm probably answering my own question here, but I'd like to know what you think. So you're never perfect at it, right? And you miss days, right? So here's the trick with that. Just be aware that you're a human and that's what you're going to do. Yep. Because trying to manage it every day, I kind of found, when I say every day, like set a certain time aside, I found that like, you know, it was like not showing up for training every now and again, you know, and yep. then you miss a few and then you beat yourself up. Yep because you miss a few whereas like now I'm kind of more what I call opportunistic so I still have like a rough kind of set routine 
Um, and I've broken it down into other smaller ones too. So I don't just do like the big long ones. Sometimes it's like two minutes yeah, or whatever. And most of that one is like um, breathing focus. So Yeah. So I do, I do in the morning, I do a breathing one um, to try and sort of kickstart. Um, sometimes I have an ice bath or a cold shower as well. Ooh, just a the cold really, lunch. yeah, really like get myself clear um and another one that i've started doing recently that i found has made a massive difference is i don't have coffee for the first two hours of the day okay so because i've i've been finding if i have caffeine too early i crash hard like and i like by lunchtime, like, because I'm up at, like, 4, 4.30, mm, by okay. lunchtime, I'm good for nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like anything. Where if I don't have caffeine until after 7 or 8 o'clock, and then I'm fine. I'm good all day. Like, it's really strange. So, apparently... Well, it's good that you figured that oh, out, but... Yeah, and apparently, so something I was reading about it was, what it does is it starts to... to re- react to your body differently if it's like an instantaneous wake up and have coffee because what your body is doing is it's trying to process that caffeine from the very beginning where if you get up and do the natural stuff in your day and you leave the coffee for a while your body's had time to process like last night's dinner and all that shit and get through the start of your day and then you have your coffee it's like the coffee's actually going to have the the right effect on you i mean as right as it can be um... so I have read a little bit about this um, and some evidence. And going back to what you said about the cold plunge, um, I know it's all a bit of the rage. I don't know if you listen to Rogan or not, but he's made the sauna, you know, the yep. hot sauna and the cold plunge <laughs> popular again. But something I've always tried to do um, is what I do is so I'll have a shower and then at the end of the shower, I'll just turn the hot off yes. and just stand there for as long as I can. And it's not you'll start off like honestly it'll be 20 30 seconds and that's okay and then you can build up to like you know but yeah i find this there's definitely the scandinavians are onto it i won't go into it now but i've read a lot of research man they were onto it it's really funny that you say that because that's how i started with it and i was like oh yeah i'll have a hot shower and then i'll turn it to cold and now it's straight cold and it sucks but it it just i don't know what it does but it it feels so good when you get out you actually actually feel amazing i just read a paper the other day pretty sure i just remember this i'm probably going to get these numbers wrong but this is roughly it um so it was some kind of dopamine like level what you get and it was like i think like i want to say sex was like two you get like a two yeah and cold shower was 2.5 yeah, yeah. Or something like that. It was way more dopamine release because it's a little bit initial pain, like you said, but, man, for how you could you feel afterwards. Yeah, that, that initial, like, <gasps> like is what really starts it. You know what I mean? Like Because you're, like, gasping for that air and you're grabbing as much oxygen as you can and then it's like, yeah. It's, it's like some it's, kind of internal reset, I tell yeah, people. It's, yeah, it's, it's a strange feeling, but it, it is incredible as well. Like, it does... It does do wonderful things for you. So I find, like, I'll get up, I'll, I'll go for a walk in the morning, I'll come back, I have um, lemon water with some apple cider vinegar to sort of, like, just, like, set myself out for the day. Um, yeah. I find that suppresses my hunger a little bit as well for the morning. I do, like, intermittent fasting, so I don't eat until 10 a.m. Um, most days. So it sort of just helps with that. And then, yeah, like, 
might go and do some weights in the gym or whatever if I need any of that for the day. I don't do that every day. Um, and then, yeah, straight in cold shower or I've actually got a nice bath out the back as well where I can go and plunge myself fully if I <laughs> really feel like I need Ooh, to. Which I've, I've now nah, well, it's not been too bad lately because it's been like 38 degrees and 90% humidity in Queensland oh, lately. So it's actually yeah. been like Get I need this. Like, yeah, that's it. So um, uh, I used it after the first in at Daytona as well when it dove in the back of it. And just Oh, like, man, there's no better way of lowering your internal yeah. cord temperature it's incredible how quickly it works and i find otherwise, like it takes hours otherwise yeah it does like it really does so and there you can do it in minutes yeah. is there anything else like as part of your kind of like routine that you do to take care of that side of yourself um no that's that's pretty much it so it's just that having that morning structure seems to really help for me um yeah. the only other thing i do like to try and do and i'm i'm getting better with this but it's still not something i've become to the point that I do it every day is setting goals for the next day and writing them down so I know what my intention is for the next day. Um, oh, yeah, the writing down. I was going to mention that. Man, yep. I paper out of Monash, I'm pretty sure. 70% better chance to achieve anything by people who wrote it down versus the people who didn't write it down. Yep. And you know why that is? What? Yeah, well, I, I know what they said, but yeah, go. Yeah. Well, it's because you're physically writing it down and you're reading it and doing yeah. it yourself. You're not yeah. just looking at a piece of paper and go, oh, yeah, or you know what I mean? You're actually physically writing down and that makes you to a certain point believe that that is what you actually yeah, want to well, do. For that's the basically what they said. On a deeper yeah. level, they were basically saying like language, right, and um, literature is just like what we are. It's, think about it, right? It's just like how we communicate. And it's, yeah, pretty much what they said. So, yeah, but <laughs> uh, I find that interesting. Well, man, we probably should uh, wrap it up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed this one, man. Um, been looking forward to it for like, I think it was like, I was actually thinking, how, it was, I was going to say initially, oh, it was a year since I asked you first. No, I think it was like more like two years. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I'd, life yeah. gets in the way, man, and shit happens. So, but I always wanted to like pick your brain about a few of those things, man. So, yeah, appreciate nah, that. Any time, man. I've really enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, maybe do another one in the future for sure. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you got other interests, and that's actually normally what I like. Uh, other, uh, I like to uh, talk to people about other things too. Yep. And like, um, I was going to say, we won't go into them now. But have you got? Like other, like what else does, does Chris Purnell like to do outside of like, you know, sim racing and family and all the things that we've talked about? Sure, you've got uh, some other kind so of like obscure hobby. Yeah, so music, music was a big one for a long period of time there. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty handy in the kitchen, to be honest with you as well. I love cooking. Like it's oh, something. Yeah, okay. Well, I oh, think man, it's I from the baking cooking. side of stuff. So I of get real, real creative with like flavors and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so there's that side of stuff that uh, I do enjoy every now and then as well. And so, you, are you a gamer? Do you play anything else? Um, I do a little bit, but not, not really. Like it's, um, more when I was younger, I did. Like I used to dabble with some like FPS stuff and some like, man, um, weren't you playing Tony Hawk Skate? Yeah, I played... Pro for a while? Yeah. Did you stream that for a yeah, while? Yeah, stream that for a out? bit. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, did sort you of... play all the first ones, yeah? Yeah, 
grew up playing those and like Mate, yeah those games were so good they were man. i spent i spent serious amounts of time playing <laughs> Tony hawk man so yeah so i do a bit of that but um not really because i spend so much time I with racing, the sim and stuff geez. it's yeah. like and i do spend a lot of time like watching racing as well so i try and find that time away from screens and do other stuff as well so i like to be out fresh air and yeah that sort of stuff as well cool and um yeah all right well um thanks again man appreciate you coming on it's been a good chat um one i've been you know i always find people like you quite interesting and uh you know there's a lot there for people i think to uh go over and yeah learn a few tricks of the trade so yeah appreciate you coming on man Thanks, man. And, Appreciate um, it. Actually, if you want to just um, yeah, drop your socials and that, um, and then I'll put a um, I'll put a link to Virtual Motorsport. But yeah, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Discord at Virtual Motorsport Mentor. So we're um yeah we're across most of the platforms tiktok as well now so we started producing some little one minute funny videos every once in a while just to break up the content a bit but yeah that's where we are um reach out to us if you want to ask us any questions or get involved in anything um yeah looking forward to chatting to some of you awesome man thanks again and thanks, buddy. um yeah thanks for coming on man i really appreciate it and i look forward to uh I wish you all the best, and I look forward to seeing some uh, good results in the future, man. Good luck. Perfect. Thanks, Ira. Thanks, man. Cheers. Starting to